So we are on week three of this series called Making Change. Um, last week, uh, Scott hit on the subject of Tomorrow Matters, and so um, I, I listened to that uh, this past week um, at the gym and was very appreciative of what Scott had to say, and it was, it was really awesome. So thanks, Scott, for sharing last week and, and filling in. Um, this week, uh, we are talking about the idea of stress is bad, and so we're just going to review a little bit because this is something I, I, I believe um, this is very just practical. These, these, these series or these four weeks are very practical and very good for you. Um, and I believe that if you uh, apply many of these principles to your life, right, it really can change it for the better. And so let's just kind of review a little bit. Uh, the first week was less is more. Last week was tomorrow's matters. Today is stress is bad. And then uh, next week will be giving is good. Uh, when I was up here a few weeks ago, one of the things that I made you do is actually repeat these with me. Um, and so I'm going to do that again. Are you ready? All right, just read, the, read through, through these with me. Ready? Less is more. Tomorrow matters. Stress is bad. Giving is good. All right, one more time because you almost sounded like you meant it. All right, ready? Less is more. Tomorrow matters. Stress is bad. Giving is good. So, who would agree with me um, that money causes stress in their life? Absolutely. All right, just can I get, yeah, I got some amens. I got more amens on that than I have all year, all right? The, the truth is, is that, that our finances can cause a lot of stress in our life. To be honest, like, if you were to ask my wife if I am a high-stress person or if I kind of wear my emotions on my sleeve, she would tell you no. Uh, she, would, she would tell you, I, I'm pretty like flatline most of the time and pretty even kill. Not a whole lot like gets me upset or gets me worried. Um, and you know, like I'm, I don't think I'm really that stressful of a person to be around. And I, I just don't, that's just not who I am. But I have had situations in my life where I have felt a lot of stress and I've probably even projected it on other people. And when it comes um, to one instance in particular, like um, I, I just remember being extremely stressed out, and I've shared this story with many of you, but many of you have never heard this story because you're newer to our congregation. Well, four years ago, um, re- not too far after I, I, I had moved here, um, a number of things were going on in our lives. Uh, we had moved uh, from Alabama to here. Uh, we had bought a house. Um, we had a baby, um, and I kept a rental down in, in Alabama, and uh, tax season was approaching, and right as all of this was happening, I got a phone call from my renters down in Alabama telling me that some men in some boats had picked them up out of my rental house. Uh, and so what that meant was my rental house was under about four to five foot of water. Uh, and, and so I'm, I'm, like, I'm starting to, to freak out a little bit because uh, not because I thought my renters were in danger. Like, you know, I would like to say, like, I just asked them, like, hey, are you okay? Oh, glad. It doesn't matter because you're fine, right? Um, that's, uh, they were young. They were, they were strong. They could have swam out. Um, uh, you know, what really, and I'll be honest with you, right? Like, I wish I could say that as your pastor, that that's really how I felt about the situation. Um, but to be honest, like, w- what happened in my head was kind of like dollar signs uh, started to, like, y- y- like vibrate in my head and I started to realize like I've got at least a $5,000 deductible. Um, now I'm going to lose a couple months rent from my renters. I, I just had written uh, about a $2,500 check to the hospital 
Um, we had just put a down payment on a house. And so I'm just, I'm like, I'm freaking out a little bit. I, I called my wife at this point, and um, I let her know what was going on, and I asked her uh, what, the, like, what the refund um, policy was at the hospital uh, for our child. I, told, I said, tell him. I said, he, he, re- he won't be very tall. He, he won't be very tall, but he'll be just slightly above average student and okay with people. Like, so just see what they'll take. Um, she, she didn't think that was an option. Um, but so, like, I'm, I'm freaking out. I spend most of the day uh, in my office, by the way, like, kind of with my door closed. Nobody knows what's going on, but I'm just kind of, like, trying to figure all of this out. I'm on, I'm, I'm on the phone with insurance adjusters, um, trying to figure out what to do in Alabama. And, and so I, I spend most of the day just, I mean, stressed out and worried. And when I, when I get home that day, the first thing I do, and I, I've maybe only done this a handful of times, if that, but I, I go up to Emily and I, I say, Emily, like, I, I'm stressed out. I don't know if I've ever really told Emily that in this, in this way, like the first thing I've ever told her. But rather, I went to Emily and I said, hey, I, I'm stressed out. And I got to be honest, like, I need to pray. Like, and, and I, I just want to pray with you. And I, I came up the stairs, we held hands, and we prayed for the peace of God in this situation, and that I would really believe that God was going to take care of us and provide for us, and that we were going to be okay with, with what was going on. And we left it at that, ate dinner. I got a phone call within about 45 minutes, an hour later. And I'm on the phone, and uh, what it is, it's, it, he, was, he was my accountant at the time, and doing my taxes, and he said, hey, Josh, how you doing? I said, well, I'm doing okay. You know, I, I, I didn't share with him what was going on or anything like that. And he said, well, I've got some good news, and I've got some bad news for you. And I said, okay. Um, I said, well, you know, I, I did tell him this. I said, I, I've had a decent amount of bad news today, so let's start with that so I can end on the good. And uh, so he said, well, the bad news is, is that you owe roughly about $6,000 this year in taxes. Um, so what had happened is when I bought my home in Alabama, it was a first-time home buyer. The government was doing a no-interest loan program where they give, uh, excuse me, yeah, when they give about $7,000 out of interest-free loan. But if you moved out of the house, I just thought in my head when I even moved, I just thought as long as you still own the house, you're good. But if you moved out of the house, you had to pay it all back in one lump sum. And, and so he said, you owe about $6,000 total in taxes this year, um, including paying back the loan. And then at the time, I was paying quarterly taxes on top of your quarterly taxes. And I said, okay, yeah, that's bad news. Um, but here's the thing, and, and this, is, this is the truth, is as I was calculating it through my head, and because I, I was doing a lot of math that day, I realized, like, we can pay it. Uh, because I believe in saving anywhere from about four to six months of living expenses uh, just in case, like, you decide to fire me, right? Like, I can say what I want uh, right now. I'm, I'm honest with you. Like, I can say what I want to you, um, and I could still feed my family for about six months right now. Um, like, so, so there you go, like, hey, get rid of me. Um, but, uh, uh, so, but at that point in time, with all these expenses going on, I, I knew I was broke. Like, I, 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 there was, I mean, there was going to be like zero signs like in the savings account at this point um, with everything going on. And, and so I just said, okay, I, I really, I, I'll be completely honest with you. I had a peace about it at that time um, because my wife and I had just spent time in prayer. I said, okay, so, and this person had no idea. The accountant had no idea. And I said, uh, so what's the good news? And this is what he said. He said, the good news is, is somebody let me know that they had decided to pay your taxes this year. 
And um, at that point, like, like, I almost started crying. I didn't because I just didn't want to lose my man card. I didn't want to see my, my wife of, like, first, she'd never seen me cry. I didn't want her to. Um, and I, I told him, I said, uh, the first question I asked, I said, does the person know, <laughs> like, how much I owe? Did you, because they probably thought, like, you know, I just owed, like, a little bit, and they just wanted to be nice to their pastor or whatever, um, and uh, he said, yeah, they know, and I said, so they're sure, and he said, yeah, they're, they're, they're really sure, and then I began to tell him, I said, you know, they hadn't, I said, you have no idea this is going on, and I said, the the person who is, gave that money had absolutely no idea my house in Alabama had just flooded. Had absolutely no idea. The only people in our church that knew what was going on at that time was my wife because I didn't want anybody to feel sorry for us. Um, and I just didn't want, like I said, I'm not a high-stress person typically, and so I, 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 you should bear your burdens with one another. Um, but I just didn't want to stress anybody else out in our church, and I didn't want them to know what was going on. And, and so, like, that is just, like, a miracle that God had worked in our life, and it all happened within, really, an hour of that, of that time of prayer. And what I just want to share with you, what, the reason I share that story with you this morning is because, here's the thing, like, because God cares about you and your finances are such a big part of your life and who you are, God cares about your finances and what you do with them. Um, and this isn't an area of our lives that we shouldn't discuss in the church uh, be, just because it's personal, because our finances are deeply personal. But rather, um, because they're so personal and because God cares about them and God cares about us, this is, a, this is an area that we should talk about and be honest, um, even with people in the church about if we're struggling. Now today, we're going to focus on something very particular when it comes to our finances, and that's, that's debt. Debt naturally causes a lot of stress in our lives, and it causes a lot of stress that we really don't need, but a lot of it is, is, is brought on by ourselves, right? One more time here with me. Stress is bad. Ready? Stress is bad. And so when I'm talking about stress is bad, this is what I mean, is that debt is not good. You know, we, we think of um, this proverb, Proverb 22, 7, it says this. It says, a rich rule over the poor and the borrower is what to the lender? Slave to the lender. Now, here's, here's just kind of how I, I know you believe this is true in your life. Because you have never gone to anybody, like if you're married, and said, hey, since I acquired all of this debt, like my marriage has just gotten so much better. Right? Like, no, nobody says, you know, I just love my high interest credit cards. Right? right? Just no, nobody says that. Like, nobody looks at their, their statement that they get for their mortgage and are just glad that they're paying as much in interest as they are on their house. Like, these are things that we don't say and we don't believe. On the other hand, on the other hand, you know, I've heard so many people say, you know, I would love to give more. Or I would love for one of us to be able to stay home with the kids um, or to be able to spend more time with, with the kids. Or I would love to be able to go on that vacation. Or I would love, you know, just to travel, to do, to do whatever. And so where do we begin with all of this? Like if that's you, right, maybe your, your marriage is struggling a little bit um, or you're just stressed out by debt and you're not able to do some of the things that you wish you could do, you don't give like you wish you could give, um, where do you begin? And if you're taking notes, this is, this is really honestly where I think you should begin and not just because it's like the churchy thing to say, but I do believe that you should begin with prayer, um, you, just, you just heard my story. 
uh, of how important prayer was even in my life and just calming me down for that moment and to be being ready uh, for whatever God was going to give us in that situation. Because the reality, I believe, is that God's going to take care of us no matter what. Um, I, my job is just, just to be faithful with God, what God has given me to steward. But some of us, as we go to prayer, not only are we learning to trust God with our finances, but rather we are putting ourselves in a position, and maybe I should say it this, we're centering ourselves in a place where when we go to God in prayer and we're thinking about our finances um, or even our debt, we're, we're putting ourselves in a place where we're able to ask God, what is truly important to you, God? Not just what do I want, but what is truly important to you? I love the way the Psalms begin. Uh, Psalm 1, it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but who delights in the law of the Lord and meditates on his law dead and night. In other words, like blessed is the man who, who doesn't behave like everyone else does, who doesn't see how everyone else is, is spending and going about their lives, but rather blessed is the man who goes to the word and goes to the Lord and meditates or prays in a way in which they are wanting to, wanting to actually submit, like that song we were talking about, that they actually want to submit to the Lord, not only like what we might consider like maybe a moral or spiritual life, but also in our, our, our financial life. The psalm goes on to say, the person who does this, he, he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields fruit in its season. And th- then he, he, he says, says this, and all he does, he prospers, Right? I don't know about you, but like, can you say that about yourself? Can, can you say that like, when you plan a budget or you, you get together and you think about your finances, uh, can you say that you spent time in prayer and putting yourself and your mind in the right position to where you believe that you can do what God would have you to do with your finances? And I think accumulating a lot of debt actually keeps us from being able to do that in a healthy way. And so this is going to help you not acquire the debt that you probably may be acquiring or have in the past. The second thing I'm going to encourage you to do is gain knowledge, to gain knowledge. Um, Hosea 4.6 says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Now, uh, two things I want you to know from this. First is kind of the, the, specific, the specific case that he's talking about here, because if I, don't, if I don't tell you this, somebody's going to tell me this on the way out the door. Ho- Hosea is not talking about your personal finances here. What Hosea is talking about here is that the people of God are not taught the word of God, so the people of God are no longer the, the, the people of God. In fact, God no longer even recognizes them or the church because they haven't come under the word of God. They haven't come under the truth of God, and they're not actually following God. That's what Hosea means. So that's the specific principle. But there's a general principle here that is true as well, uh, that people perish if they don't understand the truth, right? W- what we're taught is the word of God is truth, um, and God is the God of all truth. And so just understanding, having knowledge of the way the world works, and this includes your financial world, is helpful for you. And, and so I want to take a moment, and Scott just unloaded on you last week about how tomorrow matters by just giving you a ton of knowledge. Well, I want to give you some knowledge here on how debt and interest can work against you here. And so let's just pretend for a moment that you have a credit card and you're the average American who is about $16,000 in debt in your credit card. Now, if you have a a relatively high interest rate on your credit card, and a lot of our credit cards are, um, if you have a 16% interest rate uh, on a $16,000 debt, and you pay the bare minimum of about $250 per month at 19% interest, excuse me, for 40 years, you will pay about $140,000 in interest, 
right? Calculate that. You will pay about five times, if not more, than what you owe on a $6,000 debt. Now, that is, that is really crazy, and you're throwing away a lot of money if you're doing that. Second thing I just want to share with you, I just want to show you here, because this is a mistake I think that we can make, depending on your financial situation, is let's say you're going to buy a new truck. I want a new truck, all right? That's why I threw it up here. There's my truck that I'm going to buy. All right? Um, this is kind of just the average four-wheel drive Chevy Silverado four-door, which I really want. Um, and, but it's going to cost me about $40,000 out the door. Now, if you get about a 6% interest rate over it, uh, um, in it for about a five-year period, you'll pay about $46,000, so about $6,000 in interest, so about $6,000 more than what it's actually worth. Now, if you drive it for about five years and put about 13,000 miles on it, which is about the average, w w what the average driver does, in five years, your truck will be um, worth about half, if not less than half of what you paid for it. And so it's not that it's bad to own a truck or to buy a truck. You're keeping people um, working in the jobs and maybe even helping the economy. Uh, but if you look at this as an investment, uh, this is a very bad investment um, to, to buy a new vehicle in this way, especially depending on where you are um, and as far as your financial situation is concerned. Move on to a mortgage here. Um, and this is uh, one of the debts that most of us probably have. Um, the average house price of a house in the United States is about $128,000. It's probably about the average here in Talmadge, I'm going to guess. So if you get a loan for about $128,000, and you don't put anything down, um, at a 30-year fixed rate of about 5.5, which, you know, right now we're in some of the best rates uh, that we've ever had um, as a country when it comes to being able to buy homes and mortgage and, and so forth, you'll pay roughly $262,000 um, for that house by the time you own it. Um, which means that you actually have paid more in interest for the house in a 30-year period than you actually agreed on the buying or the purchase price of the house. Now, if you're lucky, you'll live in an area where your house will actually appreciate. But that's not always the case. Um, depending on where you live and what happens to that, to that neighborhood or that place over time, your house could actually lose money. And so when people tell you, um, that all of these things are, are good investments, well, or you, know, you should invest in this or that. They may be, but if you spend the, the life of your loan and paying that interest on that loan, you still could be losing a lot of money without paying down debt. And so this is how kind of debt can work against you. Now, on the other hand, interest can work for you. And so go ahead and go to the next slide. If you were to invest, say that $16,000 that you lost um, on your credit card, if you were to put that maybe in a Roth IRA or some type of savings account, and you're able somehow to get about 12% interest over the next 40 years, right now uh, the markets are about 15%, believe it or not, um, but they also get sometimes lower than that, uh, much lower sometimes. But if you invest $16,000 at a 12% interest rate over 40 years, um, you will have just under a million and a half dollars. You know, so this is, if you're young, <laughs> um, think about this. Uh, if you're not young, there's still some things you can do. Um, like, don't give up. Now, get this. Get this. If you invest $16,000 um, in one of these, in, in kind of a money market account or um, in your pension, uh, in an IRA, uh, and then add $250 per month over uh, that 40 years, at 12% interest, you'll, you'll have about $4, $4 million dollars. Uh, to your name by the time you retire. Uh, so it's pretty incredible how interest can really hurt you and kill you or how it can help you. And, and the reason that I just encourage you and kind of want to show you this is I believe that we should steward our money in a responsible way. 
We should steward our money in a responsible way because God wants to use what you have to build his kingdom. Um, And so how do we get to this point? Like where we're, you know, these things are working for us. Well, the third thing I want to tell you and encourage you to do is to have a plan. Have a plan. Uh, Proverbs 21.5 says, The plans of the diligent lead to what? Profit. As surely as haste leads to poverty. So the plans of the diligent lead to profit. As surely as haste leads to poverty. Um, Haste basically means uh, those who are reckless, careless, um, or in a hurry with their finances. There, that's what what the word haste means. One of my favorite quotes, some of you know that someone had a, of a planner. I'm not great at planning, but, you know, I do believe that plans are important. But I think just really something, something really easy to remember. The, the, the person who plans to fail, or fails to plan, plans to fail. The person who <laughs> fails to plan, plans to fail, right? And, and, and that, all, that works in, mo- in a lot of instances in our life, but especially in the financial sense that, that works. Here's, if you're in debt, um, however, no matter where you're at, whatever age, here's one of the things that I believe about you and one of the things that you can do with your life is I, I believe that you can get out of it. I, I really do. It's just going to take some work and it's going to take a plan. Uh, coming out of college, um, my undergrad, m- my plan, I kind of had, uh, my plan was uh, to one, get a job. <laughs> I wanted to get a job, but I also, I, I wanted to go to grad school I had hoped to buy a house just because I personally didn't want to pay rent if I didn't have to. Um, I wanted, uh, let me see what all the things, oh, I planned to tithe is one of the things that I had planned to do. And I planned, as I said, to get to that point where I have, a, I have an emergency fund and that um, I had about three to six months worth of living expenses saved up so that if a big disaster happened, I would be able to weather it. The problem with that was coming out of undergrad, I averaged, um, or I had the average amount of college loan debt. I had $30,000 and not of debt and not really a dollar to my name. Uh, when I moved down to Alabama as a youth minister and enrolled in grad school, bought a house uh, and was tithing and started saving. And, but when I was looking at that $30,000, I was thinking, I need to get rid of this because I really did feel the stress and the weight of having um, that debt under my life. Because I, I did a little bit of calculation. The internet would do it for you. You know, at, at $30,000, if I were to stretch it out at the, at the rate of that loan over um, about 30 years, I would have paid about $36,000 just in interest. So I would have paid more in interest if I would have dragged that out than I would have um, if I could have pay it down as quick as possible. So my plan was to pay it down quick as possible. So I bought a house I could afford. Now, I did make a mistake, right? And I have not been perfect with finances. I, I made a mistake and I bought a house in a flood zone. <laughs> you guys heard about that. Um, but I bought a house I could afford. Um, and so I wasn't like, uh, you know, I was, I was able to eat a little bit. Um, one of the things that I did is I went after as many scholarships as possible uh, for grad school. Um, I, I, I had to change the way I ate. My secretary uh, in uh, Birmingham used to make fun of me because I ate pretty much uh, the same foods every day uh, because I had to figure out, okay, what was affordable and almost healthy um, for me uh, that, that I could eat. I lost 20 pounds within a year living down there. It, it's true. I, I really did. I lost 20 pounds um, because of it. Uh, I, I bought a two-bedroom house, and I only sleep in one bedroom. Uh, so I rented out my other one. Uh, I had a roommate. 
Uh, and then what happened when I bought my house, I got a loan from the government. It was interest-free, so I took the $7,000 and I paid, I put the, took the interest-free loan and put it down on the interest loan, on my school loan. And here's, here's what happened. Within four years, um, I was, I was debt-free. I had, I had, I had no more school debt. Um, we've, Emily and I, and I've, I pay cash for cars, and so I had no, I have no car loan. Um, in that time, I continued to tithe. Uh, I went to grad school and graduated from a three and a half year, four year program and, and grad school during that time, so that was being paid for. Um, I'd gotten married. I was able to save up pretty much almost four to six months um, worth of savings at that point in time to make sure that if, if something happened, um, we would be okay. Uh, and so I, I just tell you that, not to say like, hey, this is something that I'm perfect at, but I, just to tell you that no matter where you're at, like, you can get debt-free. It's just going to take some sacrifice, and it's going to take some hard work. Um, and it's going to take probably like doing something, some things that you may not have been comfortable with uh, on the front end. Um, but if you can get there, like, it'll just be better. Emily and I still, right, each year we come up with a plan. If you're married, your, your reducing debt plan and your financial plan, it needs to include your spouse. Right? Uh, you need to be praying about what you're going to do with your spouse because you guys need to get on the same page. And so one of the things that my wife and I actually do um, is once a year, we make sure that we take some time away um, to enjoy one another. But one of the things that we also do is we go through our budget and we pray over our budget and what's allotted for what because this is really important for us. Um, we, we want to no longer be paying for a mortgage at all by the time we're 40. Um, that's, that's one of our goals. And so we have to figure out how we're going to do that because right now we live off one income, right? We've got three kids, I've got a wife, and I've got one income. And so we have to figure out how that, that works. In our house, um, because uh, Emily doesn't like numbers, so I do most of our, our numbers and our bills and all those sorts of things, Emily kind of knows what we're able to spend in the family because we have what we call an envelope system. I take out X amount of dollars in cash every month. It goes into certain sections in our envelopes. We even save for giving throughout the year. And so when it comes to Christmas, my wife can go because she's the gift giver. She's, she's like, if you get a gift, it's from her, not from me. Um, like, so, but she can go and she knows how much we, we can spend on, on gifts and all of those sorts of things because we've planned for that. And so like Christmas isn't like, it's, 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 not, it's not a surprise for us. We know it was coming and we've been saving for it. Um, and so that's, that's some of the things we do. We, we used to joke. My wife and I used to joke because when we were living in Birmingham, we had a, um, a young man who had mental health problems. And so he was on Social Security and, and food stamps. Uh, my wife and I used to joke, but it was true, uh, that he, had more, he, had, he got more money for food stamps than my wife and I ate on uh, for the two of us, one person. It, it, was, it was true. We kind of laughed about it, but it, because we were at the place we were at financially, we just knew to continue to be healthy, right, we had to stay on a strict budget. And when you're reducing debt, um, that's just some of the, this, that's something that you need to think about. What do we need to cut out, and how do we need to practice to be good stewards, uh, and how do we need to live to be good stewards of what God has given us? The fourth thing, the fourth thing that I, I want you to know here. Um, and what you're going to have to do, because all of this is, is kind of relatively use, useless if you don't do this fourth thing. If you don't pray and practice self-control, right? I, I can write down, I can put a, I, I, it's, the, the budget's the easy part, right? You can put it on paper, 
And, and you need to do that, by the way, because if you don't put it on paper, you're probably not going to do it at all. You're not even going to try to keep it at all. But, but if you don't practice and pray for self-control along the way, like, it is just not going to work. Um, Proverbs 25, 28 says, uh, like a city whose walls are broken down is a person who lacks self-control. Like, it, you know, what it's talking about here is a city is just protected, but um, if its walls are broken down, people can siege, siege it easily. They can get in. And, and to be honest, like so many of our, 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 our spending walls are just open. And so we see something, we've got to have it. And it's because we lack self-control. And it's because we want something now. Uh, a lot of us, when it comes to our spending habits, we're like children. Um, I don't know about you, uh, but when your kids were toddlers or if your kids are toddlers um, and you plan on having dessert that day, like you don't put the dessert on the table during the dinner time, do you? No, you don't. Um, at least you don't in my house uh, because my three-year-old uh, will be screaming that he wants the pie now and he wants the dinner later. Um, <clears throat> And, and the truth is, though, like if you were to do that with a bunch of adults, like if we were to sit down and have dinner with that, all of us would understand that the pie is for later. But here's the thing. You didn't believe that to be true at one point in your life. Like you had to be taught that. Uh, most of us, un unfortunately, however, ha have never been taught that when it comes to our finances. Like nobody has taken time to teach us, like you got to have the dinner first and you can have the pie later. Like you have to wait though, because you, you want to fill up on what is good first. And so my, many of us, we're just kind of out of control, and we just kind of spend, and we spend, because we're not trained to wait. Uh, ladies, I don't know about you, but maybe it kind of happens to you kind of like in a trickle way. Like, you know, you go shopping, and that's on sale, and this is on sale, and, and this is on sale, and so it kind of just kind of adds up gradually, or, you know, maybe you're just in a habit of getting your coffee out or eating out a, a good bit. Maybe, you know, you want to get your nails done um, once a week. Uh, you know, I, I don't know, <laughs> Pastor Craig Groeschel, he makes the point, like, no guy has ever said, like, have you seen her nails? Like, right? she's got a nice set of nails. Right? You seen the size of her nails? Like, think they're real? Like, like so... You, you, you know, sometimes we're spending money on things that really aren't that important, but they add up. Maybe, maybe it's even for our kids. Like, right, your toddler probably doesn't need the Nikes. Like, right, if you can afford them, great. Like, but their, their feet grow another size in a month. Right? They don't even like Nike. They like Paw Patrol. Like, right? So, like, think about the guys, all right, golfing, right? Maybe you're going to golf. Uh, once a week. But to be honest, guys, like, that little stuff, we don't mess with that, right? The only, diff the only thing that, like, separates us from toddlers <laughs> are how expensive our toys actually are, like, right? Like, you're going to just go break the bank all at once. Like, you're just going to go out and buy the boat, right? And then you're going to need that truck to go with it and probably the lake house. Um, uh, yeah, you, you, some of you guys are smiling. You know what I'm talking about. But the truth is, as we think about our finances, God has given, given it all to us. And one of the reasons that we, we do a kind of a financial series relatively often is just to remind us that we are to steward it well. And so here's just something to kind of think about right now as we think about being stewards and praying and practicing uh, self-control is if you can say no now, 
right? If you can say no for a little while, um, uh, this is what we want to do so that we can say re- yes for the rest of our lives. So say no for a little while so that you can say yes for the rest of your lives. Just imagine this. Uh, imagine just paying cash for everything. Wouldn't that be nice? Uh, I mean, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be nice to, to be able to show up and to be able to buy that boat from that guy or whatever and just say, hey, you know, I don't really need this boat, but I've got X amount of dollars cash right now. Will you take it? Uh, imagine about actually not being worried about if you got fired or not. Like, if I lost, imagine just thinking, like, if I lost my job today, I'm cool. I'm good. Like, what would that, what would that be like? Like, is that better life? Is that, is that a better life than what most Americans are, are kind of living right now? Here's the thing, like, to get to this point, you've got to take responsibility for your finances. You do. You have to take responsibility for your finances. For most of us, like, our accountants aren't calling us, telling us that, hey, they have somebody who wants to pay one of their debts down. It'd be awesome. Like, I hope that for you. Like, I pray that for you. Uh, but, but really, the, the big miracle in our lives are probably small miracles uh, that God is doing. Uh, and so it's, it's, it's listening to something like this, and it's taking the next steps uh, to, to get your financial life in order and, and responding to believing that God has called you to be a good steward of your finances. And so probably one of the biggest miracles in your life is just starting small and starting somewhere here. Uh, and so that's what I hope for you. One more time, let's review real quick before I pray for us. Um, here we go. Less is more. Tomorrow matters. Stress is bad. Giving is good. One more time. Less is more. Tomorrow matters. Stress is bad. Giving is good. Pray with me real quick. Hey, Father, this morning I do pray that we, we, we believe um, that we are to be stewards of what you have given us. And I pray that if anybody is under any financial stress right now or has any debts, I pray that they're not freaking out, uh, Father, but rather uh, that they just recognize that they are to be good stewards of what you've given them. I pray right now that you calm their spirit and their soul and you're able to clear their mind and that they're able to understand how to move forward and what to do um, with their current financial situation. I pray that you give them that knowledge. Father, I pray that um, you give them a plan. If they need help, Father, I pray that they come to Scott Stedman or somebody in our church. Um, Father, come to me. I'll help however I can. But, Father, I pray that you help them have a plan. I pray that you help them get on the same page as their spouse as well. Father, we pray for self-control. We are told that self-control is one of the fruits of the Spirit. And so, Father, I pray for your Spirit um, guidance over everyone's life in this room. I pray, Father, that uh, you um, just bestow the self-control on them and you tell them what they need and what they don't need. And what you've given them is for. Remind them that everything that we are given is supposed to, to help build your kingdom and to bless other people and to, to be an expression of our love for you. Father, I I pray that we take the steps forward that we need to take um, to be good stewards. So that may be saying no today so that we can say yes tomorrow. I pray that over us this morning. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now, now I I, I want to end with this. 
here. There is a debt in your life that you cannot repay. There's a debt in your life that you cannot repay. Here, here's what the Bible teaches. It teaches that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin are death. In other words, the debt of your sin is death. And what we're told is that we cannot pay this debt that we have accumulated. But, but God has paid this debt for us by sending Jesus Christ to the cross to die for us for our sins. God has paid the debt by sending his son that we could not repay. And you can spend your entire life trying to earn your way back to the Lord. But the truth is you will never get there and you will always wonder if it was ever enough. When God sent Jesus to die on the cross for your sins, he sent Jesus who lived the life you should have lived, died the debt, died the death that you should have died, and he rose again so that we might have hope and to give us assurance that he loves us and that you can be debt-free if you receive it. And so if you are here this morning and you believe that you can earn your way to God and that you can pay your own debt, I'm here to tell you that the, the Bible tells us that we cannot, that it can't be done. And so how, how, how are you forgiven? How are you made right with God? You receive God's payment of his son on the cross as your savior. And you turn from your sins and you follow Jesus. You've got to receive it. You've got to receive the payment. When I got that call from the accountant, I could have done one or two things. I could have done one or three. I'll give you one or two right now and I'll tell you the third because there's others of you who need to hear the three option, third option. One of the things I could have done is said, hey, I don't want it. I'll pay it myself. Right? And I could have done that financially. I could have gotten to the point eventually where I could have done it. Right? In the financial world, we can do it. Right? Or I could have said thank you and received it. I did. <laughs> right? Yes, yes. You want to do what? Yes. You want to pay that? Yes. Right? God is asking you right now, do you want to receive his salvation? I hope you'll say yes. I'll receive it. I'll take it. And repent of your sins. The third option here, and this is for those of you who believe that you have received salvation from the Lord, is to trust and believe that God has really paid your debts. Like if you are a Christian and you have received Jesus and you love Jesus and you're following Jesus and you keep questioning whether or not it's really enough, stop, right? Stop. You know, one of the things that I didn't do is get a hold of the number of the guy who decided to pay my debts and kept asking him, hey, is it paid? Is it paid? Is it paid? No, I, I trusted that that person was trustworthy enough that they were going to do it, and they did it, right? God has paid your debt, right? You are free from it. Believe that. Believe it. Live in it. You don't have to be stressed out about what tomorrow holds because God loves you. He loves you. Pray with me one more time here before we take our tithes and offerings um, and uh, conclude the service with this last song. Um, if you want to come to the altar and pray, maybe you just 
has something on your mind that you want to pray about. Maybe you want to receive the Lord for the first time and you want somebody to pray with you here. You can receive the Lord in your seat. It's completely up to you, but just, just pray with me right now. Hey, Father, we give you thanks because you sent Jesus um, as our Savior to pay our debt. I pray this morning, Father, that if there's anybody here and they have not received the gift of your Son who died on the cross for our sins so that we would not perish but an everlasting life, that somebody in this room would receive that gift today. That by faith, they would believe that Jesus Christ died for them. That he has forgiven everything in their life. Their past, present, and future sin. I pray, Father, that they would turn, turn from their sin and turn to you and to follow you. I pray that they don't miss out on this opportunity. Father, there are other people here who maybe, um, maybe they just question, they're not real sure if, if it was enough. If, if your sacrifice on the cross was really enough for them. And Father, I pray that you just assure them right now that it is. That Jesus was perfect. And that your love is perfect. And they are completely forgiven. And that they are able to, to truly receive the, the full assurance of salvation right now. We thank you for being a God who wipes away our debts. As in Jesus' name we pray, amen.